this fucking guy. technical difficulties in a very short amount of time i feel like this is my fault it's not yeah well you brought the haunting on to our podcast yeah i think we're haunted and mercury is supposed to go into retrograde on halloween oh damn so that's gonna be terrible oh damn that's no that's no bueno no you don't want those things together Mm -hmm. um also welcome to this fucking guy Oh, welcome to this fucking guy. Thank you for joining us. We're doing it again. Still. We're doing it again. Um, I have a feeling people were upset last week with me. and um, Oh, with your story? With my horrific story. Yeah, because it was upsetting and damaging. Yes, and um, I would apologize, but it's uh, my podcast and I do what I want. And that's also true. This, you know, there are going to be things you like, things you don't like. And at the end of the day, it's not up to you because this is a free podcast. Yeah. And also, as long as I'm still the favorite, we're all good. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I feel like that was rude. It was very uncalled for. And very unlike you, a little spicy. So I like Ooh, it. That's a little spicy. A little spicy, spicy. Mm. I'm feeling real spicy, spicy because of this motherfucking snow. Yes. In goddamn Colorado right now. It's fucking six inches outside and I want to die. I told Kyle I was going to go to wherever hobos get those like metal trash cans from. I don't know. <laughs> And just said trash can fires <laughs> all around our house. It's a very specific type of trash can. Yeah, it's like a metal barrel. Where do you get metal barrels? At the barge? The barrel store? I don't fucking know. Did you Is say that... at the barge? <laughs> I'm thinking of like where ships are. No, a ship is a barge. Yeah, but like wouldn't ships have barrels? It seems like a thing that should be on a ship is a barrel. <laughs> There's also a crate and barrel, but those would be really expensive. Yeah, and very modern. Um, so modern, I would probably not want to light a fire in them. No, no. It might explode. Um, so yeah, I just I want to set the world on fire right now. I get it. Sadly, California is on fire, along with our continued huh. destruction of the rainforest. So. What? Please be kind to the earth. This is now an eco podcast. Yeah, just like be kind. There's like, don't be a dick bag. That's really all we ask. That's all. I mean, that's that's the only bar you need to reach as a human. Is just don't be a dick bag, and you're doing great. And that applies to so many different things. So many different things. Like if in your head you're going like a dick bag would do this, just don't do that thing. Do the opposite of that thing. It's so easy. I do it all the time. But I do understand um, why our audience would feel traumatized by your story. Look, it's not going to be my first terrible story. 
because that's what I'm oh. that's what I'm into. So it's it certainly won't be the last by any measure. No. I did not update though. I did not have nightmares. Positive. Okay, and you made such a big deal about it, Caitlin. This is gonna haunt me for so long. I'm not gonna well, sleep. Let's just be real in that I was scared to Google it, and thank God you put images in our shared drive because there's you, no way I would have Googled that man. I didn't want you to have to do that. That would have been the worst oh, Google image search. Anytime ever. there's a corpse involved, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make you do that. I appreciate that. Um, I, I I don't want I don't need those images in my mind. There's plenty of badness in here already. That's there doesn't true. need to be any other any added ingredient. That's true. I do want to I have a couple notes. Oh, let's do it. So you just did a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about. So if you are struggling with mental health, like Carmen and I both do on the reg, um, please, please, please get help. I know it's so hard or like if you're not comfortable getting help, reach out to a friend or a loved one and say, hey, I think I need I need a hand. Um, it is so, so important. And if you are thinking about suicide or anything like that, um, we will provide some links. Um, but you can visit, you know, pre- pretty much any organization, um, suicideprevention.org, um, and just get on. You can do a little e-chat with somebody if yeah and they, they're super helpful um or you can call these hotlines um if you do feel like you need to get on the phone but um you are not alone and you are loved and we love you yeah fuck yeah we love you guys yeah. and we've both been in therapy and we're both big fans of medication mm-hmm. there is no shame in it God, i love my Fucking- brain pills oh them brain pills be so good oh they help me function like a normal human yes yes uh it's uh it's not anything to feel like a stigma or shame about it no and but if you do have that it's totally cool there's awesome things like better help to to help you there yeah man mental health we all got fucking issues with it the world is a dumpster fire right now it's true it's we got tough times things are hard and they are probably going to be for a while yeah, uh, so if you feel like things are just real tough and having a hard time, reach out. Yeah. Where are you been here for you? If you if you are a person who's like, I'm, I'm good, I don't have any problems, reach out to a friend, any friend. They don't have to be struggling, but just reach out to people, communicate. Um, I always see that thing, check on your strong friends too. Because there are people like me in this world who don't like to show on the outside that things are not going so great inside. So yeah. be there for each other. And it goes right back to don't be a dickbag. Don't be a dickbag. Be nice to people. Be kind to everybody, dude. Everybody's struggling. Yeah, we're all struggling. Just some are better at faking it than others. The struggs is real, guys. The struggs is real. This drugs is real top to bottom, front to back. Alex, we have another shirt for you to make. (laughs) Another fictitious shirt. Thank you. It's not going to be fictitious because you know he's going to do it. 
Strug, be real, yo. Alex, we're going to need all of these shirt designs done by the time Carmen lands on Thursday. Yeah, so if you could just get that into your production calendar, it'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really pre-ship. <laughs> Soup's pre-ship. Um, <laughs> what else did I want to say? Oh, yes. Uh, so if you haven't gone to our Patreon page, you can visit. Get into it. Patreon.com slash this fucking guy pod um we really really need support for the show so if you you can contribute a dollar a month yeah we're not, we're not we have different like levels all your money yeah it's like literally less than your netflix subscription that that too yes um mm-hmm. that's the latest apple software um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you can give like a dollar, you can give three dollars, you can give five dollars, you can give seven dollars, you can give as many dollars as you want. But please, if you want us to keep making the show, because it does cost us money and we've invested a little bit into this creative endeavor of ours. Mm -hmm. um, So yeah, if you want to support the show, please do that. And you get special perks like getting a shout out and getting special access to things like... The last episode will air exclusively on Patreon. Word. Also, I may or may not make you a little ditty up off the top of my head. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Carmen's great at ditties. Mm-hmm. I write them for my dogs all the time. I'm real seasoned. Yeah, she is. She's very good. I've gotten many over the yeah. years. I mean, sometimes I just like singing you a little song. It's for my heart. From your little baby heart. It's from my little beanie heart. Straight at you. I might, you know, give you a sassy retort to use on someone. Ooh, that's a sick bonus. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Good times. So, so yeah. you get good, you get, you only get benefits. It's only going to benefit your life. Yeah. And then we'll be able to actually, like, have Alex produce that merch that we keep telling him to make. We'll be able to sell it. We'll be able to do all kinds of things. Most importantly, get better fucking audio equipment because <laughs> things are not going great in that department. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're well, fine. It's because you brought a haunting onto our podcast. That's what I brought you've a done. haunting. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm going to make up for it this week. <gasps> Yay! Segway. Yes, we're getting very good at these transitions. <laughs> like transition so lenses, but better but better and in audio form yeah we're transitions lenses for your ear holes (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how that works but i like it i'm not a scientist we've Mm -mm. been over that we never said we were we're barely holding it together as adults oh i'm definitely not (laughs) i got less than seven hours of sleep last night and i felt like i got hit by a train today so isn't that the worst and I wasn't even drinking. My sleep has been so fucked up because I upped the meds. Yeah, girl. Yeah, up the love, meds. I love what it does to your sleep. Mm, love it. I up the meds. Great for my brain. Bad for my sleep. It is. It is what it is. Yeah, good time. Let's say I'll take it. We'll take what we can get. That's true. Amen. Um. Hold on, so I what story are you going to tell me today? 
Hold on, I have to text Nick back one second. Ugh. Ugh. Doesn't he know this is a professional podcast? Yes. We are pro- very professional. Like the most professional that I've we ever. Are very serious. Yes. Um, I'm casting with Carmen. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty excited about this story. I will preface it by saying animals do get injured in this story. But it's okay. That's the worst kind of story. No, but it's okay because I'm telling you about a man who started the Great Emu War of Australia. Oh, my God. What? This is a real thing that happened. I cannot wait. I don't, I've never heard Do you those not know words. this? No, I've never heard those words okay. put together in a sentence. I thought you knew, but I am so happy that you don't. No. Oh, my God. But I need to now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Oh, God. This sounds amazing. Okay. So, I will say this is less about the guy. There are a few fucking guys in this story. It's less about the guy. It's more about the Great Emu War, which is just an amazing historical tale. And, like, ridiculous. I can't believe it's a real thing. So, please... Come back with me to 1932 in Australia. Oh my god, that's not even that long ago. It's not that long ago. It is not. So, it is after World War One. A bunch of British um, veterans were just like chilling in Australia after the war. And the Australian government was like, hey, if you're a soldier you can kick it here in Australia and we'll just give you a bunch of land and you can become farmers and help us cultivate what is now known as Western Australia. Word. That's a pretty sweet deal. Pretty sweet deal. You don't got to fly 24 hours back to the States or to wherever you came from. You get to kick it in Australia with kangaroos and shit. It's awesome. So what happened was, um, The Great Depression, which happened in 1929, farmers were told to increase their wheat crops um, by the government, who was supposed to provide subsidies to the farmers, but that didn't happen because it's Mm. a government which is full of empty promises. (laughs) Why would they? Why would they? So um, throughout the Great Depression, the price of wheat just kept declining. And then by 1932, the farmers were like, we have to harvest these crops, but we don't want to give you our wheat, government. Get away from this bread. For, you don't, for real. Yeah, like we grew it ourselves. So, there's that thing again. You brought the haunting onto this podcast. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Okay, but now it's gone. I don't know. We're haunted. Sorry, guys. Hauntings on the podcast um, audio. I apologize. There's going to be some weird fucking voices in here. I didn't want this to be a paranormal podcast. This is what this is what and we've yet, become. Okay. I think it's gone. 
All right, so the farmers are like, we're not giving you our wheat, and, you know, things are just getting bad for everybody involved. And then things got even worse when all of a sudden over 20,000 emus appeared. What? 20,000. From whence did these emus come? Okay, so uh, emus apparently migrate from the coast to inland areas after breeding season. Okay. And then, so these farmers had cultivated all these new lands, and they've got water and crops, and the emus, like, they're off on the coast, breeding season, just fucking. Just banging it out. Banging it out, like, on the beach. And they migrate inwards to these new cultivated lands with, like, crops. And they're like, what? Free food? I'm in. And then they, like, told their friends. They were like, you gotta check this shit out. Yeah. They're like, you will not believe what we found. House party on the list. So these emus just, like, descended upon these farms. What a wonderful, delightful plague. Right? Okay, except emus are huge. Yeah, they're big as shit. They're, like, minimum, like, six feet tall. I feel like we should ride them. You can ride them. I don't know if they like it. Fuck yes. See, I feel like you could ride an emu because you're about the size of like maybe half its leg. How do you get up on that bitch though? Probably with a saddle. Mm. We we need to figure out the logistics of this. Yeah. Do you ride emus? Have you ridden one? Tell us. DM us. Let us know. These are important facts. Um. Okay, so the emus are just like, this is the best. Oh, my God, free food. New place to stay. And they're just like demolishing all of the crops that these farmers <laughs> had grown. Jesus Christ. <laughs> these poor dudes. They just can't catch a break. They're like, we just went through a war. Now we had to fucking farm Western Australia. I bet there's spiders and snakes and shit. Oh, you coming know there was all kinds of wild shit coming out of the woodwork. Weird ass shit. Just, and they're like, and then now all these fucking emus are here. Like, what is going on? So the farmers were very upset and they're like, we have to do something. And because they were soldiers, a bunch of them went to go chat with this fucking guy, Sir George Pierce, who was the Minister of Defense of Australia. They went straight, just straight to the top. Took it straight to the top. Like, that really escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. They didn't make a complaint to, like, local authorities. They didn't call an exterminator. They're like, we are going straight to the Minister of Defense of the country. Also, I would go, like, agriculture department (laughs) sure or like oh i don't know build a fucking fence yeah there you go i mean they're tall as shit but i feel like they're probably not good jumpers thank you they cannot fly yeah those are flightless birds build a six foot tall fence all it can do is stick his little dumb face over right there you go and we'll get so apparently emus are not as dumb as we think and we'll get to that whoa 
Okay, so before I get into the emu war, I want to tell you a little about Sir George Pierce. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about the man that spearheaded this offensive. Yes. Yes. Okay, so he was like a big fucking deal. Obviously, he was the Minister of Defense. So he was born in um, Mount Barker, South Australia. His full name was George Foster Pierce. Oh, fantastic man. Um, he left school when he was 11 years old to train as a carpenter and then moved to Western Australia and joined the union. Okay. And then he helped start Western Australia's Labor Party. Just really making some big moves as a preteen. Right? And then by the time he turned 31, he was elected into Australia's new federal parliament. Um, he eventually moved his way up to cabinet and he served under a number of prime ministers, but he is most well known for his position as minister for defense, which I love that the Australians and British people spell defense with a C E like defense. Ugh. It's hilarious. Yes. Um, you're taking all the fences out. Exactly. Exactly. You're pulling those fences, fences down. They're out. So um, he held the Minister of Defense position from 1908 to 1909, 1910 to 1913, 1914 to 1921, and 1932 to 1934. Those are such sporadic and odd days. So sporadic. Um, He holds records in Australia for serving in the cabinet for 24 years and the Senate for 37 years. God damn! So he was just like, he was a big deal. So he, you know, was very into politics and I'm not going to get into Australian politics, but he was the person that all of these farmers and former soldiers were like, we've got to take care of this emu problem. So they talked to, they, they actually brought a solution to Pierce and they were like, Hey, we were in the war. We know machine guns are good at taking care of people why not emus let's shoot all the emus and pierce was like sure sounds great just a few minor conditions cool cool cool. i'm glad there were there were stipulations on this yes the stipulations were uh pierce said that the guns had to be operated by military personnel and that the government would pay for troop transport but the farmers would have to pay for food, accommodation, and the ammunition. Cool. So he's like, uh, you can shoot at emos, but on your dime, bros. Basically. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and when you're done, I want these guns back. Oh, okay. Yeah. That seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want just motherfuckers walking around with military-grade machinery and weapons. Sure. And, but he's like, you know what? This is a really good plan because we'll kill all the emus, get rid of that problem, get our crops back, and my soldiers can get target practice while they're at it. Way to look on the bright side, George. Classic George. And thus begins the Great Emu War in October of 1932. So, Pierce puts... Major G.P.W. Meredith of the 7th Henry 
7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery oh. in charge. What a title. That's a Khaleesi-level title. So, I think, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess he has three first names, GPW. Don't know what they stand for. Um, so, Meredith had two commanding soldiers for this operation, Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. O'Halora. Hell yeah. Just really delegating. Really delegating the shooting and massacre of emus. Yeah. But uh, Major Meredith was, like, very involved. And he... It was just the three of these guys. <laughs> that How was the truth. How crazy did those conversations have to be? <laughs> like, I was just gonna... like, I got it. I'm going to send you. Pick your two best guys. Go take on 20,000 emus. Go set up in this field? Am I going to... That was really poor New Zealand. I can't do was, Australia. I know. I I like try to do a little Australian, but it always ends up going into New Zealand. It ends up at New Zealand, so like It's oh, it was a little. It's just because I my voice is a little higher pitched, so I just naturally go New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand. If you're Australian, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we <laughs> are terribly sorry. Or if you're Kiwi, I'm so sorry. Um. Yeah, I can't do Australian, but you guys have a fun history. Yeah, and we'll have to, I, hopefully I can find some more stories um, that aren't as horrific. But this is a fun one. It's like sad, but like fun. It's real whimsical. It's kind of delightful. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Um. Okay, so this troop, they had... It's these three guys, these fucking guys, three guys, and two Lewis guns, which were, like, the first machine guns. They're from World War I. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. And 10,000 rounds of ammunition. Motherfucker! Which you would think would be enough to kill emus, but let's keep in mind how large emus are. They're a large animal. They are... Um, I said six feet tall. I'm trying to get how much they typically weigh. Okay, so they mm, they typically weigh only 79 to 88 pounds. That seems small for a bird. Well, it's probably just like a lot of length, but not a lot of body. But it's got like, it's, they're like kind of thick. A lot of feathers, you know, feathers don't weigh Lots a lot. Lots of feathers, plumage. There's so much plumage. And then also I'm thinking just in terms of shooting at something, that's not a whole lot of body mass to be that's shooting true. at. It's just a lot of leg and neck. Um, Lots of leg. Okay, so it says, yeah, flightless birds, long necks and legs. They can reach up to 6.2 feet in height. They can travel great distances and can sprint 31 miles an hour. That's too fast. That's too fast. I don't... mm -mm. That is so fast. That is too fast for an animal of that size and shape. That's too fast. That's ridiculous. Mm -mm. That's Um, that's terrifying. Wow. I I didn't... That is so fast. (laughs) The the mental image of a horde of those fuckers running at 30 miles an hour is terrifying. With their long necks and their beaks? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that's the sound they make, but it, it, that's, I feel like it is. It's just it like has to be beat coming at you. 
just right in the face. So it's these just three guys, two guns, tons of ammunition, and they they go out and they're waiting for the emus. But the first night out, it had rained, and so the emus just scattered and they were just sleeping, whatever, avoiding the rain. So then Meredith and company, um, on November 2nd, 1932, they go over to a place called Campion. It's like Champion without the H. Mm-hmm. Um, because they heard a bunch of emus were like causing a ruckus over there at this other farm. Just really raising some hell. Yep. So the troop tried to attack, but the birds were out of range. So they like maybe hit like one or two and they were fine because they're big ass birds. So then they like wait another day. Then they're like, November 4th, we're going to set up an ambush. Oh my. Oh my. So there were about a thousand emus heading um, their way over to like near a dam. So I guess the emus were like going to find some water um and the the troop is just waiting for these emus they're behind this dam and um the emus like come i just imagine them in like like a horde <laughs> just doing their thing just do it with their like little feathers just walking and around with their weird long just... legs <laughs> and, and like their necks kind of go just, forward like, just a bobbing bit. around just yeah <laughs> Just a fucking, like, long-ass neck with a, like, bottle head on top. <laughs> and the beak. Yeah, just that They've beak. they weird-ass eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we apologize to all emus everywhere. I think they have long eyelashes, too. So, like, Yzma. Just in bird form. Do they? Okay, now I gotta Google this. Okay, email. I need com- visual confirmation. They have, like, furry heads. Oh my god, they do look insane. They look very intimidating. Okay, but now imagine a thousand of them at once. Yeah, they've got like brownish red eyes too, just fucking staring at you. <laughs> and when their beaks are open, it just looks like they're screaming. Yes. It just they just look like they're pissed off. Just like, <laughs> like let me see your manager. That's that bad. <laughs> I want to talk to your manager. <laughs> I like your emu voice. Thanks. Okay, so um, they the emus descend, and then the troop like opens fire on these birds, and um, twelve emus died in this first battle, but then the guns jammed and the rest of the emus ran away. <laughs> yeah, that's a real low, that is not a successful mission. That's a real low number. So, they were disappointed to say the least. They you know, they just lost a battle to emus. So, um the emus kept evading their military prowess and one of the recruits is quoted as saying The emus have proved that they are not so stupid as they usually are considered to be. Each mob has its leader, always an enormous black-plumed bird standing fully six feet high, 
who keeps watch while his fellows busy themselves with the wheat. At the first suspicious sign, he gives the signal, and dozens of heads stretch up out of the crop. A few... (laughs) What an image! A few birds will take fright, starting a headlong stampede for the scrub, the leader always remaining until his followers have reached safety. I really wish that we would have taken this opportunity to really, like, pin Burns it up for this. Because this above and above it, like head and shoulders above anything else, really deserves a Ken Burns treatment. It sure does. Mm. It sure does. We really need like some sweeping music. We need some great voice actors, like a um, like a Morgan Freeman type. Yeah, we or need or Stephen Fry. Yeah, we need some some letters read. Oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll do it for the. For like our anniversary, we'll do a reenactment. Yeah, we'll live reenactment. <laughs> a Carmen live Ken stilts. Burns reenactment of the war. Fuck yes! And, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great. Um, so the emus proved very difficult to uh take care of. So they tried mounting guns on trucks, which like didn't work. At one point, I read that. They, like, were firing on these emus, and the emus, like, since they're so fast, they were able to catch up to the truck, and then one of them broke the truck by sticking its neck through the steering wheel. Fuck yes! Oh, like, battle out emu! Truck. Yes! It's insane. I'm fully on board for that. Fuck that shit up, emus! It is insane. So, six days after the Great Emu War began, over 2,500 rounds of ammunition were fired, and they ended up killing somewhere between 50 and 500 birds, but no one confirmed the number, and they don't have a record of it. Yeah, that also sounds like bullshit. Right. So, um, I want to read this quote by an ornithologist, which I think is a bird Yeah, that's a bird scientist. Bird scientist. um, Dominic Cerventi said the machine gunners dreams of point blank fire into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated the emu command had ed- evidently ordered guerrilla tactics oh. oh oh now we're making assumptions on the parts of the emu i love it and the unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made the use of military equipment uneconomic. A crestfallen field force, therefore, withdrew from combat after about a month. So, Yes. Because this is absolutely insane, the media was just having a fucking field day making fun of these soldiers for being defeated by emus. Like... I bet they had just the fucking best time writing headlines for this shit. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Oh. I'm really, I'm trying to think of an emu-based pun and I'm having a hard time. Oh. Um, I'm going to look up emu war headlines. I want to see if there are papers from it. It's got to be something to do with feathers. <laughs> New strategy in war on the emu. Request to use bombs to kill emus. I mean, 
Oh, emus and soldiers neck and neck. Oh. Did it. There it is. <laughs> Did it. There it is. It took that me was, a minute, but I got there. That was very amusing. Oh! <laughs> mm. oh. Emus and emu war equally flightless. Yes. They're just winging it. Well, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think I think that's it. That's all I, I think got. everyone hates us now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but again, welcome to your free podcast. Yeah. Enjoy it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh the media was making fun of this whole operation. It turned into this huge thing, and because this was a government run military operation, the Australian House of Representatives then had to like discuss it. Had to like advocate for why they've done this. Uh huh. Oh, amazing! And so, after pressure from the other um, representatives, uh, on November eighth, nineteen thirty-two, Pierce withdraws personnel and weapons. So he he's like, "Emu war's done." And how long or is this after it started? Like six days. <laughs> <laughs> so successful. Yes. Um, Major Meredith, uh, who was, like, <laughs> on the front lines, um, compared the emus to Zulus. If we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like Zulus, whom even dum-dum bullets could not stop. Number one, I don't like that comparison. Like, I don't either. Way to go. Way to go, Meredith, for being soups racist. So racist. Um, And then two, like, don't blame the emus on your failure. It's not. I mean, if if we're going to be technical, emus are dinosaurs. So yeah. what? how big is your ego that you think you can use your shitty machine guns and a truck with three fucking dudes to take out 20,000 dinosaurs. Yeah, like, start with the man in the mirror. And look don't at your, life. your failures. Look at your choices. Own Here's... your shit, Meredith. I can't. So Just like a white dude. Classic white dude. Classic white dude. So Pierce withdraws all operations. Everything's done. But the war, Carmen, was not over. Oh, it did not cease when the government was it, like, yo, we're done. You gotta, like, nope. you gotta call it quits, homie. No, nope, did not cease. So, the emus continued to destroy all of the crops, and the farmers were like, oh my god, please do something about this. So... Then the premier of Western Australia, which I learned, is the head of the executive branch. This was for West Australia, and so it's like a prime minister, but called a premier. So they're like a local prime minister? I don't really get it. Okay. If you're Australian, tell us about your government. Yeah, we need to know about emus. We need to know about local government. That's, that's just two things. That's all we ask. Mm -hmm. um so the premier of western australia was named james mitchell and he wanted to renew the military support for the farmers 
Cool, 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 cool. He was like, I think that was a great idea, Pierce. Minister of Defense, what do you think? Should we renew the support of our military to take out all these emus that are obviously a threat? And Pierce was like, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have withdrawn support. I'm back in. <laughs> you brought me back in. You convinced you brought me. brought me back. It's like Shark Tank when Mark Cuban's like, I'm out. No, I'm in. You got me. I'm intrigued. So, um, Pierce then had to go in front of the Senate and then explain again why military action was needed to take care of this emu problem. And our boy Meredith came back because there are not a lot of people experienced with this kind of warfare. I would go. I would imagine not. I would wager that he, too, after experiencing it, was still not experienced. Yeah, clearly. So, now, on November 13th, 1932, the military did manage to kill about 40 emus. And then by December, they finally got the hang of it, and they're killing like 100 emus a week. They claimed to overall have killed... 986 emus and then another 2,500 died as a result of their injuries. But this is out of 20,000 Yeah, that still plus. doesn't seem like a lot. That still they, does not seem like a success. It And it wasn't. So they had also used over 10,000 rounds of ammo. Jesus. Just yes. money, money, money. <laughs> Everywhere. On like a tenth of the amount of emus. Right. And these emus are like reproducing. And ch- and there just seem to be more emus every time they turn around. Yeah, because they're just banging. They're like, oh, you took out one. Here's five more. Yeah. So um, the operation was pulled again because it didn't work. But there were still like tens of thousands of emus roaming around. They were unbeatable. So... The farmers then requested help from Pierce and the military in, again, in 1934, 1943, and as recent as 1948. And each time, Pierce was like, look, I've tried this. It's not going to happen. Goodbye. So he's, he's worn out. He's he, done. He, he fooled me once. Shame on me. Fooled me twice. I'm done. I'm done with emus. Done with emus. So, yes, the Great Emu War was won by the emus. It is literally considered a loss for the Australian military and the Minister of Defense. So, then word got out about Pierce and the Great Emu War, and um, conservationists were really upset, animal rights activists were really upset, It was like a whole big kerfuffle. And then the farmers soon started to use just better fencing to keep out unwanted scavengers, like fences they couldn't get over or through. Um, But unfortunately, the government did provide further ammunition for farmers to take matters into their own hands and over the course of like 20 years, um, over 50,000 emu were killed. Damn. I know. That's sad. I um, don't like that. No. But now emus are protected once again in Australia. And there are said to be about 700,000 roaming Australia today. 
Fuck yeah. Which is great. Um, despite this insanity and this massive failure, um, like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in ammunition and just like military operations and like the time you're standing in Congress, like trying to explain why you need the military to fight off some fucking emus. This didn't affect Pierce's career. He continued to have a career in politics, became a knight. And like, no one really talks about the fact that this fucking guy ordered the great emu war of Australia. Hashtag classic white dude. Classic white dude. He did have a fabulous mustache. Oh, of course he did. With a name like that, he'd have to. He got to. But I mean, way to go emus for winning. I'm so proud of the emus for defeating humans. Yeah, fuck it. Fuck us. What are we doing? I just... Can you imagine... Fighting an emu? No. I'd be like... I don't even want to go near a regular-sized bird. No. I'd be like, you win. You got this. Here, You take this gun. You might be able to do something with it. Yeah. I bet the emus would have been better than these fucking guys. Yeah. These... Oh, come on, guys. What were we thinking? And just at no point had any thought to, like, consult a scientist. Sure. Or, like, that ornithologist guy. Yeah. A, talk to a bird doctor. A bird lawyer. Bird law is very important. You might want to talk to a bird lawyer. You might want to talk to a bird a contraceptive specialist. Sure. Like, get these things to stop fucking. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, call your farming buddies. Sure. And and the fact that George Pierce was a carpenter, like grew up as a carpenter and didn't think, mm, maybe I should build a large fence. Yeah, like here's some fencing material. That would have been a way better use of the government's money, but no, they're like, throw bullets at it. Yeah, see if this works for a million years. For far, far too long. Ridiculous. Good times. Oh, that was such a fun story. Wasn't it? It's crazy. It's one of my favorite stories. I love that the emus won. The the emus won not once, but twice. Oh, that's the best outcome. And they're doing fine. They're doing great. I would wager they're doing better than us. Yeah, especially in fucking Australia. They're probably yeah. doing great. Living their best lives. They're really adapted to that land. We are Apparently, not. Um, emus and kangaroos are like the equivalent of deer in America. So they're just everywhere. Mm. Mm. Which, I don't hate it. I don't hate that. I'm here for it. I want to hang out with an emu and a kangaroo. Now, kangaroos, they will punch you sometimes. They're very strong. Especially that jacked, you know that picture of that jacked He's jacked as fuck. He's swole. And he's like, it's like if you were a cartoon character, he'd be hot. Yeah, like that kangaroo works out. Yeah. He fucking does like prison workouts. (laughs) With prison Mike. Yeah, with prison Mike. (laughs) Uh, With his purple bandana. Yes. Um, <sighs> see, Go I told you I could give you something pleasant. Yay, thank you for not bringing, bringing further um, hauntings onto our podcast. You're welcome. Well, tell me a story. Today, I'm going to bring you the somewhat delightful tale 
of a man I have recently come to just adore. And then I read the wildest story about his life. I'm going to tell you about Gary Cooper and his straight up BDE, baby. Yes. Um, Yes. So for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Lizzo, uh, BDE stands for Big Dick Energy. It's really more of a life philosophy. You don't have to have one to have the energy. You don't have to have it. It's irrespective of gender. Mm -hmm. But Gary Cooper was bringing that straight up BDE in the like 30s. Ugh, amazing. And I'm fully here for it. So I recently watched uh, the film version of Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms on Amazon Prime. Just so good. Booping around. Uh, our listeners don't know this, but I'm a very big jazz age person. Mm-hmm. I love Hemingway. I love Fitzgerald. Flappers. Give me a Gatsby any day. Oh, I love all of it. I love the fashion. I love the music. I love the fucking literature. All Cocktails. Of it. Oh, it's all of it is my jam. Uh, so uh, I was very intrigued to watch the movie and see how they did things and how it came out. So for one, amazed at the shit that they were away, able to get away with in 1932 in this movie. There's premarital sex. There's fucking losing a baby. There's fucking prostitutes. There's all kinds of wild shit. Like, I couldn't believe they made this in 1932. Scandal. A, a scandal. But I was the most intrigued by this gorgeous man who is the lead in the film who is so stupidly talented and so classically handsome i was like who the fuck is this man i need to know everything about him i got to know right now so then i start doing some research and that led me to wanting to tell you all about all of my findings love it okay so our sweet coops coops his sweet sweet coops he was born frank james cooper in helena montana on May 7th, 1901, he is the second of two sons to uh, English immigrants. Um, and his dad moved the family uh, to uh, America and bought like this huge cattle ranch. Um, and that's where uh, Frank and his brother grew up and they were like fishing and fucking hunting and riding horses and just really having this like American West experience. Classic America. Classic. So just really having this like very rugged youth. But his dad got into um, got into law and became a lawyer and then ended up becoming a Supreme Court justice. Oh. So they really had this like very rugged youth, but then like very were also very like mannered and very like high yes. class also. So they really lived in like two different worlds. Um so in nineteen twenty two, Lil Coops went off to college. Uh, in Iowa to study agriculture because of his like rugged they could have used him in Australia yeah just he really could have helped out with that to uh, study agriculture but funnily enough was not accepted into the school's drama program oh so a couple years later in 1924 he just abruptly bounces from college is like yeah I'm good I don't want to do this anymore he heads to Chicago, spends a month there looking for work, doesn't find anything, and then returns to Helena to his family. 
Okay. Um, so shortly after this, his dad retires from the Supreme Court and uh, moves the family to L.A. to take care of um, some family's estate. And he's like, Frank, won't you come on with us? So sweet baby Frank, little baby Coops goes out there and he's just like living in L.A. trying to figure out what the fuck he wants to in do. In the 20s. Dead. Just perfect timing. Like, it's like a 1924 Classic Silent Hollywood films are jazz fucking age. happening. The jazz age is popping off. Just what a time to be alive. And Ugh. he's like 20. What a time to be alive. So while he's out there, he ends up meeting up with some friends from back in Montana who were out there working as extras and stunt writers in Western films because they were really good at writing horses because they all grew up in Montana. Right. And so they're like, call me. Come and kick it with us. Come do some of this shit because you're awesome at fucking riding horses. And you're very you'd be handsome. amazing at this. And you're so handsome. They probably didn't say that part because, you know, stereotypes. Right. But they were like, come on, homie, you can make some money. So they take him to see as this casting director. So Frank is like, I'm done with my studies. I'm done with college. I'm not going back. And I'm fully committed to trying to make Hollywood work. Doing it. So the American dream. Just really bootstrapping it up. So he starts getting work as an extra and as a stunt writer in these like Western films that are happening. Um, but he's like really like aggressive horse rider and like other people are like, Oh, you use crazy. You do a little too much. Um, so he's like, and the stunt work, of course, back then, like there's no fucking union. There's no, no regulations. It's like super, super dangerous. So he was like, they're like, good luck. To... See you yeah, later. Yeah, they're just like, fucking go run this into a fire. You'll be fine. Um, so he's like, I got to figure out a way to get out of the stunt work. It's not working for me anymore. Soup's dangerous. So he pays for a screen test and hires this uh, other casting director to be his agent. So this casting director uh, kind of changes everything. He, this, it's a woman, and she suggests that he change his name to Gary... Uh, because she thought it was a better reflection of his like rugged, tough mm. nature. Uh, and uh, that what made her think of it was that she was from Gary, Indiana. Oh. Uh, so. Just change your name to like where I'm from. Yeah, that she thought it sounded like rugged and tough. So Coops gets his big break in 1926. He's been doing like extra work and stuff. And he's on the set of this movie called The Winning of Barbara Worth. And the actor that was cast as the second male lead just does not show up to set. Uh, and so what? they're like, hey, you're tall and handsome. Come be in this scene. So the film ends up being this huge success. And a lot of critics like single him out as being this like new star and uh, being a quote, dynamic new personality. Oh. And he was in, like, one scene. And probably said, like, two words. Oh, he didn't even say zero words because it was a silent movie. Oh, my God. So he, he just stood no there. He said no words at all. He just stood there and was handsome. Uh, tall Classic order. white dude. Tall order. Stand there, wear a suit, be handsome. You're doing great. Uh, so after this, he signed to a Paramount contract in 1927. And he's just... Meandering around the Paramount lot, you know, the Paramount lot, it's the 20s, you're just hanging with the stars, whatever. And Clara Bow, who was like the actress of the 1920s, yes. of like the silent movie era, 
uh, sees him on the Paramount lot, Paramount lot, and is like, "That guy needs to be in my next movie." So oh he she insists on him being cast in her upcoming film called It. No clowns. Not the clowns. Not the scary clown one. Uh, so they totally bone. And this starts a real trend with Cooper and his co-stars. Oh no, Coop. So a couple of years later, not a couple of years later, shortly after this, Coops is filming this movie called uh, The Wolf Song with a Mexican actress named Lupe Velez. So they fall in love uh, and totally hook up. And uh, she later claimed to quote, <laughs> I gotta get this perfect, I'm sorry. <laughs> that Cooper quote has the biggest organ <gasps> in Hollywood. Uh, I hate that she said organ. I hate that she said organ, but she's a classy lady from the 20s, so what can you expect? Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie is also famous for having very, very brief, full frontal male nudity. <gasps> in the twenties? Of Coops. He is in a river brushing his teeth. So I have not seen this with my own mind, but you damn sure I'm going to be doing some Googling of mm-hmm. this later. Mm-hmm. I guess I know. Um, so a couple of years later, it's 1929, Coops has uh his first talkie so he becomes like the first major like talkie movie star uh with this film the virginian turns out being a huge huge hit uh like most actors of the time like were not able to transition from silent film to talkies but uh it's said that cooper transition transitions naturally because of his quote deep and clear voice and oh sorry deep clear and pleasantly drawling voice oh. which was perfectly suited for the characters he portrayed on screen and this is according to his biographer Jeffrey Myers oh yeah it was probably one of those like you know real drawn out like he so I've only seen him in one movie A Farewell to Arms but it is I could listen to it to fall asleep Amazing. it's very slow and deliberate and cool and even keeled i i would love to listen to it to fall asleep i love Uh, old-timey movies and the way they talk and he doesn't even you know how like some movies especially from like the 40s and 50s has this really like affected like Mm -hmm. oh it's like very affected by talking and it's like nobody fucking talked like that right his delivery is like so natural it's like it's almost striking to think that he was making movies in the 20s and 30s because it's just like you were way ahead of your time bro amazing um so you know like i said he had this very like rugged you know western upbringing and that paired with this like cultural like very refined high class image that he had was like a perfect fit for the jazz age like that was such the embodiment of the ideals at the time especially like pertaining to masculinity mm-hmm. and um it didn't hurt that he was straight up gorge and could wear the shit out of a suit i mean just like nobody's business 
so tailored and oh so like the fit of suits back then christ almighty can we please bring that back men's fashion oh just a great look a good shoulder a tailored waist a slim pant everything about it is great um so he's still kicking it uh with with uh lupe but in 1930 Mm -hmm. he stars opposite Oh, the eternally badass Marlena Dietrich. If you don't know anything about Marlena Dietrich, go look her up. German, badass. Oh, blurring the lines between feminine and masculine. Oh, she's amazing. A classic. So classic and gorgeous and takes zero shit. Um, so they start opposite each other in this film called Morocco. Um, so while uh, they're on set filming, Lupe insists on being there because Ob's Coops has a little bit of a pattern mm-hmm. uh, with his co-stars. Um, and so she and Dietrich end up going like head to head and having a bunch of confrontations throughout the filming. <gasps> and uh, there's even some stories that at one point uh, – Cooper left LA on a train to go to Chicago and Lupe shot at him and missed. <gasps> oh girl. Uh, she, so she had this like very fiery Latina image. So there's like, Oh, I mean, a lot of it could be bullshit. Like, she, you know, she was like throwing crazy parties and like that would have a cock bites and shit. Um, so, and Cooper wanted to marry her, but his mom thought that she was quote too vulgar. Oh. Racism. And and yet it hasn't gone away. Yeah, good times. So, um, you know, we're into the 30s now. Coop's been making films for about 10 years. Well, he made uh, 10 films in two years of the wow. 30s. So he's like exhausted. His health is fucking deteriorating. He's lost like 30 pounds. He's depressed. So in May 1931, he leaves Hollywood, bounces to Italy, and lives for the next year with a fucking countess. What? They're boning down. They're eating great food. They're drinking amazing wine. She's taking him to museums and galleries. They even took a safari trip to Africa and a Mediterranean cruise together. Okay. So Coop's recuperation uh, involves boning down with a straight up countess. Um. I mean, not going to say that our wedding is going to end up being like this in Italy, but I think our wedding is going to end up being like this in Italy. Let's do it. I'm down. So good. Oh, my God. Amazing. Food, wine, gallery, museum. Let's do it. I love it. So Coop, been banging all over Italy, banging up and down Europe. He comes back to Hollywood refreshed and rejuvenated from just being, like, a kept man of a countess. I love that he was like, oh, I'm so tired. I need to go to Italy and then exert all of my energy And then all just the time. fuck for a year. Uh, you know, he's a young man. It's the 30s. There's sure. no rules. <laughs> sure. So just being a wonderful, handsome, groomed, kept man. Uh Kicks it back to Hollywood in April 1932 and films this movie called The Devil and the Deep with Tallulah Bankhead, who is like super, super famous at the time. And she is most famous for this quote, that the only reason I went to Hollywood was to fuck that divine Gary Cooper. Uh. 
man, she did. Dreams come true. Dreams come true, everybody. Believe in yourself. Believe and things will happen. Get that D, girl. Get that D. Oh, my God. Tallulah, you're an inspiration. Go for her, girl. Believe and you can achieve. I just love it. I love that, it. I mean, good for her. Good for you, girl. You That's went amazing. to Hollywood to become famous to fuck Gary Cooper, and you And you did to. it. Don't <sighs> ever let anyone tell you that you can't achieve your dreams. No. Get it. So the next year, he films A Farewell to Arms, adapt- an adaptation of Hemingway's amazing novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so this ends uh, up leading to him and Hemingway having a very first close relationship, like a very close friendship that would last like Cooper's entire life. Uh, they, he even went out on like Hemingway's um, land and they would go on like hunting trips and shit together. Wow. Just broing down. Also, Hemingway was crazy. Oh, straight up cry. Love me some Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And these two being homies like makes perfect sense. Um. So critics praise Cooper's uh, performance, calling it highly intense and emotional. Um, and I cannot recommend watching it enough. It's amazing. Amazon Prime it. So the following year, uh, Coop decides to start courting this uh, debutante and actress, Veronica Balfi. Uh, she is most well-known for being the woman dropped by King Kong in the original <gasps> King Kong from the 30s. Oh. Um, so they get married uh, in late 1933. And for a brief, a brief spell, Coop puts his pants away. Wow. How brief are we talking, though? We're talking a couple years. Okay. Uh, Better than I thought. So- yeah, so his career really starts to take off. I mean, he's been super successful up until now, but he really starts to, uh, like, just blow up with this movie in 1936 called Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, which was directed by Frank Capra of It's a Wonderful Life fame. Yes. Um, so he's 35 at the time. He's about to be a father. He seemingly put, to, you know, all his, like, adultery and philandering away. Uh, he even receives his first Oscar nomination for Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. But the following, <laughs> that same year, later in 1936, he has a very brief on-screen and off-screen reunion with Miss Marlena Dietrich mm. when they're filming this movie called Desire. Um, desire. Desire, of course. Oh. But uh, he gets back to work. Clear, his career's going strong and even lasts through the next few years through World War II and the beginning of World War II. So in 1941, he wins the Oscar for Best Actor for this film called Sergeant York. He did another Hemingway uh, adaptation in 1943, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. has another affair with his co-star of that film, Ingrid Bergman. Jesus. Then... <laughs> A couple of years later, he has an affair with his co-star of The Fountainhead, a 21-year-old Patricia Neal. And for those keeping score, Cooper is now 47. That's gross. She ends up getting pregnant with (gasps) his illegitimate baby. Baby. And and it's like his wife is just, I mean, because she's been through all 
all of these affairs of his, and it's just fucking up and down. By this point, Cooper's daughter from his marriage is a teenager and spits on Patricia Neal in the street. <gasps> oh my god. That is crazy. Yeah, so Coop's really got a thing going on. Uh, so in 1952, he stars in what would become like the film of his, like defining his career, High Noon. It's number 20 on the AFI Top 100. It's a great um, film. And, you know, he's getting into his later years. He's in his 50s by now. Uh, and again, has another affair with his co-star, Grace Kelly, who was Grace at the Kelly. time 23. Ew. 23. Ew. So at this point, poor Coop's wife, Veronica, is just had it with these fucking affairs. She has a nervous breakdown, leaves Hollywood, and files for separation for him and him in 1951. Good for her. Yeah, get out. She ends up marrying Roald Dahl. What? So, who fucking comes out on top in that one? Okay, I did not think that these people were alive at the same time. Wild. Wild, right? History is so weird. So crazy. Um, so throughout the 50s, um, Coop is just really struggling with some health issues. He's having a lot of ulcers and seeking treatment for those. Um, but he's continuing to work, just banging out film after film after film after film. I believe his contract for Paramount was for two films a year. So this motherfucker is working, like literally going to have surgery, recovering, and then going back to work. He cray. Um, so, uh, and at the time he's still playing like the romantic leads to these like very young women and audiences are starting to be like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not down with, uh, clearly aging Gary Cooper playing the romantic lead against a beautiful, vibrant, young Audrey Hepburn. We're not feeling this. At least somebody disagreed. These days, it's like, if you're 30 and you're an actress, you're fucking out. Yeah. So, it's just, it's starting to get weird. Audiences are starting to become disinterested. gross. Yeah, it's real gross. And I agree. It's upsetting. Age-appropriate leads, please. Um, so in 1960, he ends up undergoing a surgery for prostate cancer that had spread to his colon, and he oh. tells no one, like, super, super tight lip secret, because he's, like, trying to continue to work. Right. So the next year, 1961, he watches the Academy Awards from home and uh, sees his very, very good friend, uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, accept uh the award for uh, lifetime achievement in Cooper's honor. Um, And Jimmy Stewart had presented Cooper with his first Oscar years earlier. Um, So it was a really nice, like, and this honorary, uh, this lifetime, his lifetime achievement Oscar becomes his third Oscar. Wow. Um, And Jimmy Stewart gives this beautiful speech uh, about his, love and admiration for Gary Cooper and ends up like getting teary-eyed and um really like emotional and the next day newspapers come out with the uh news that Cooper's dying no 
Uh, so that was in April 1961. Short, very shortly uh, later, on May 13th, 1961, six days after his 60th birthday, Cooper passes away. Oh. Uh, so G. Coops bringing that BDE throughout his whole life, just really laying it down and fucking his ass. During his time in Hollywood, he appeared in 84 films in a leading role. That's not what? even counting like the supporting roles before he became a lead. That is so films. many fucking movies. That's so many movies. And not only that, he was one of the only people to successfully transition between all these crazy times in classic Hollywood, like from silent movies to talkies, like through westerns, through like romantic comedies, like he was one of the only people to do that. And he was just banging co-stars all the way. Banging out movies, banging co-stars. Banging out co-stars. So dude had a wild life. I did Uh, not know all of that. Me either. And I was just fucking rolling reading all of this shit about him. Uh, So G. Coops, very crazy life. Uh, super interesting dude. Sounds like a fun uh, life. Uh, what a life. Uh, so now I am committed to watching like all, all of, of the movies. Should I need we, to know so much more. We should try to marathon as many together as we can. I would love it. Uh, one of his movies with Clara Bow called Children of Divorce is also on Amazon Prime. Yes. And I've never watched a silent movie before. Uh, so that's next on my Ooh. little queue. We're going to uh, have to tr- see if we can do that. I don't know if I'll be able to sit there. Yeah. I've never watched a silent movie before, so this is going to be really interesting. How long is it? I mean, I think it's like, you know, an hour and a half-ish. Like, Jeez, regular movie runtime. silence. Yeah. But the images that I've seen from the film are just, uh, A, Glorious costumes. It's like 1927. Beautiful costumes. Uh, He's just so brooding with like this dark, slick back hair. And uh, it's probably like so much gel. So much gel. So much brooding. And it's just so many things that are up my alley. So really excited to watch that one. It's just overall aesthetic. It really is. Uh, So, yeah. I hope that you enjoyed that, that, that BDE was, tale. I d- that was wild. Dude, just hashtag historical hottie all the way. Google him, ladies. And fellas, give him a Google. Yeah, we'll post a few pics of him on the Insta. And of emus for visual reference. Oh, we should do like some side-by-sides of emus that will look like Gary Cooper. <gasps> This is a perfect project for me. I'm all over this. I got it. <laughs> I got this so hard. Just my entire day tomorrow, Amos and Gary Cooper. What a life. This is the dream. It's, the, it's truly my dream. It's the only way you can get paid for it. <laughs> I know. We're making no money. Oh, we can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, we're making negative dollars. Negative Please help. Money. Please help us. Oh. Um, have you had any interesting encounters in the past week since I've talked to you? Mm. No, it's been snowing, so I've hardly left the house because yeah. I don't like cold times. Oh, oh, tell them about um, Z Pup 
and the teenagers. <gasps> well, this wasn't a crazy encounter. This is a heartwarming encounter. Uh, I think that's okay. So I took my dogs out for a walk. And for listener reference, I have a very big, dumb German shepherd named Joven, who's just he's the best. He's a golden retriever in the wrong body. Uh, he's a, just a big old fucking dum-dum. Just not one thing going on in that head. Nope. And then I have a small pibble mix named Zara, who's about 35 pounds. Just, just got a real big old full face. Of love. Just so full. Just wants to snug as much snugs as possible is Zara's mission in life. She wants to fuse her body with your body. Yeah, she cannot get close enough to you. She, like, actively pushes her body into you. Um, but oftentimes walking these dogs, and you understand this as having large dogs also, yes. people are very freaked out by you. So scared. Uh, so having a German Shepherd and a dog that looks a lot like a pit bull, at least in her face, uh, people usually don't come and kick it with us or ask to hang out with us. But I was walking them through, there's this really big green space across from our neighborhood. So I'm walking the dogs through the, through the green space. I got Zara on one side, Tobin on the other. And coming from our neighborhood towards the green space, because it had just snowed, are these three boys, maybe nine, ten years old, something like that. I don't know how old kids are. I don't, I'm not a good, I don't, I don't understand kid ages, so I'm just, they could have been You're seven. either three or 12. Yeah, like, they could have been 47. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just judging. So these young boys, all with sleds, they're clearly going to sled on the big hill in the green space, are coming towards us. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta, I'm trying to figure out how to evade these kids, uh, go around them and change paths and stuff. Uh, oh, I failed to mention that my, my dog Zara uh, <laughs> uh, is wearing a shark costume. It's just what she likes. It's what she likes. Uh, we tried on a lot of clothes to try and keep her warm out here in Colorado. And she just really likes this shark costume the best. I don't know why. She's constantly searching for food, so I think it fits her really well. So she's wearing a shark costume. <laughs> which we don't even see as being weird anymore. It's just her outfit. It just helps to keep her warm. Yeah, it's her comfort shark. It is. She just, she fucking loves it. I don't know what else to say. So I hear these kids across the street trying to figure out what Zara is wearing. And they're, what is it? What is it? Is it, is it a bear? Is it a, what is it? Is it a spot? Like, they're just, they're trying to figure out. So I take my headphones out. And I'm like, maybe I won't change fast. Maybe let's 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 ride this out. Let's see what happens. So we're getting closer and closer and closer. And these boys are in the middle of the street. I'm on the sidewalk, and one of them screams, "Oh my god, it's a shark!" And they freak the absolute fuck out. Run over to Jobin and Zara, and all three at the same time. Oh my god, can we please put your dogs? Please put your Oh my god, please put your Oh my god, she's dressed as a shark. And they all get down on the ground and are like rolling around with Joven and Zara and like kissing and hugging and just like Zara's losing her fucking mind. I thought she might like wiggle out of her body somehow. <laughs> like just everyone is losing their shit and I'm just trying to hold on to them so they don't end up in the street. And it was just 
so beautiful and so wonderful. These kids were so goddamn happy. My dogs are just loving life. It was just a beautiful moment that like reaffirmed my faith in this nation's youth. Um, and they were just so, so happy. Uh, and they start telling me about their dogs. And we're just, just <laughs> me and these three 10-year-old boys just talking about dogs. Uh, and then I was like, well, you know, I got to go. I got to get these guys home. But you have fun sledding. And they were just, just took the longest time to say goodbye. They were just so sweet. And so I guess now I got to go steal a little boy uh, for Zara. Ooh. So, yeah. Just a light. A light kidnapping. Just a light kidnapping. We've got a great home here. We've got some cool dogs. Um, yeah. We're pretty you fun. Can, you have food. We've got food and shelter. That's all they need, right? Food, shelter, dogs. Sure. Top three. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I just love that she's so obsessed with her shark costume. She loves it. She wears it all the time. Yeah, we'll any, have to post pictures of that too. Anytime it starts getting cold outside and she doesn't want to go outside, like she like puts on the brakes at the door. I'm like, oh, it's time for shark costume. Shark costume goes on. Flowers love them life again. It's the best. Yeah, we were looking because it snowed so much uh, already this year. It's already snowed twice this year, so we were looking at getting her little booties. Because her little feet get so cold because they're not furry. Because she's got pimple feet. And they're so cold. So my my little Z-Pup may be getting little Shut winter bits. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to cry so much. We were looking at them at the store the other day and they're so small. I'm going to cry I was so like, my much. brain can't deal with this. And you know she's going to be walking all silly. She's going to walk so weird, and it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be the best. Well, that'll definitely be hitting the grams if that happens. It has to. It must. I demand it. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'm, I'm going to, like, broadcast it live to the world. Yeah, we'll do it on our live. So good. Um, I'm trying to think. I didn't see too many people... I mean, this isn't like a weird encounter, but it's an exciting encounter. Ooh. Um, well, I mean, you already know. So this past weekend, I went to Nashville to um, see my friends Lauren and Rachel. Hi, Lauren and Rachel. I love you so much. Um, and I went to Rachel's store in Nashville called The Bride Room, which if you're in Nashville and you're looking for a wedding dress, go see my girl Rachel at The Bride Room. Um, and I found my wedding dress. Yeah, it's so fucking beautiful. Thank you. Like, it I know was, I can't talk about it too much because Nick will probably listen to this, but yeah, ugh, gorge. It was so much fun, and we tried on, like, 12 dresses, and it, I felt like a princess. And we had champagne, and, like, Rachel had little pastries <gasps> and, like, pumpkin cookies, and, like, it was just such a lovely day and such a fun experience oh I love um, that and like just finding the dress and like not wanting to take it off that's how you know I yeah I tried on like other dresses at other places and like I mean I knew I was always gonna get my dress from Rachel but I had tried on like a, at other places just to see like what kind of style I liked and it just like once it was on I was like yeah 
that's it. That's it. So that was a very fun encounter for Yay! me. Yay! I'm so very excited. excited. It's feeling more real by the day. It's so real. It's so real. It's happening. It's going down. It is. In Italia. Oh, can't wait. We'll be just like G-Coop. Just like G-Coops. Minus all the affairs. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Yeah. Fingies crossed. You know, that's the whole marriage thing. Yeah, it's kind of the point. That's the whole, that's literally the whole point. Yeah. That and like a tax break. Yeah, exactly. And just like kicking it with your faith person for yeah, a lots of times. Yeah. Nick is my faith person outside of you. Yeah, and I don't have a penis, so I get that. Yeah, and same. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. I'm so, like, I love we you work so as much best friends and podcast hosts and soulmates yes exactly that's the perfect level i got this other dude over here who's got got the peen yeah he 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 fulfills that part that's the only part really yeah he's a fun hang and he's got that whole penis thing so it works and that's that yeah it works that's what it is it's good stuff nick is like kind of useful sometimes yeah they come in handy he's gonna get upset by that (laughs) oh we love you guys we love you guys um thank you for listening follow us on all the things and uh the next time you hear us in your ear holes carmen and i will be in the same fucking room oh my god the audio quality look forward to it guys so much better (laughs) it's gonna be great and However, we'll it'll probably it. be a train wreck in different ways oh, because yeah. that's how we like to do things. Yeah, that's just, it's our brand. Yep. Um, so until then. Be your own uh, fucking be your guy. Own fucking guy. We almost got it that time. Yeah, we, d- we tried. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Bye.